Uh, how y'all doing today? Everyone doing good? Amen. Amen. Uh, let's see your Bibles. Let's see your Bibles today. Let's say word. Very good. Let's see your pants. Lesson plan. Lesson plan. Very good. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. First page of the Bible. First page of the Bible. Genesis chapter 2. And again, we want to welcome everybody watching in North County and everybody watching online or television, wherever you are. God bless you. Genesis chapter 2. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for being good to us. And thank you that you love us. And I pray you encourage us in our relationships during this series. In Jesus' name, amen. I was driving from San Diego to Los Angeles one day and I was coming down a hill. And as you know, our freeways out here have five and six and 20 lanes. And there was a dog on the opposite side of the freeway running across the freeway. So I'm coming down the hill. He's on the opposite side of the freeway. He ran across the other five lanes on the other side, comes across the median, and he's about three, 400 yards ahead of me. So I'm looking at this dog thinking, Snoop Dogg ain't going to make it across. He's going to get hit. So he comes across the median. I'm in the speed lane, the far left lane. He runs across my lane about two or 300 yards ahead of me. And about two or 300 yards ahead of me was this girl driving this little tiny low Fiero. Steering wheels like above her head. She's driving like this. And the dog ran right in front of her car. She slammed on her brakes. Blue smoke came from the ties and she ran over the dog and killed the dog. So I, she slowed down and, you know, I caught up to her and she was crying red, beat red in the car. You know, she just killed this dog. And the reason she killed the dog is because she was looking at what was right in front of her. She wasn't able to see the big picture like I could because I was up on the hill. When it comes to love and relationships and sex and all those kinds of things, a lot of times we get ourselves in trouble because we're only focused on the here and now and what's right in front of us and what we want today. And if we do, we're going to be like that dog. We're going to be hurt. We're going to experience pain. What we're going to do is take a look, a look at the big picture of relationship sex. Over the next six weeks, this week included, we're going to talk about things like what is love? How do you love somebody? What is sex really? What is the purpose of sex really? Um, how sex will impact your brain and how sex and how it impacts your brain will impact how you develop relationships with people and how it can hinder your relationships with people if you're sleeping around or if you watch pornography, etc. how that can hinder your ability to have a relationship with people. There's some of you in here who are married and you notice that even though you're married and you're intimate, there's something missing. We'll talk about what that some, one of those somethings is. We're going to talk about molestation. We're going to have a young lady here who's going to give a testimony in spoken word, powerful spoken word testimony about her experience. And then we're going to talk about how that impacts people and and how you can be restored. Sexual addiction, we're going to talk about that. And so this is going to be over the next six weeks. Um, If you have kids, uh, you have to discern whether you want your kids to hear this. My encouragement to you, uh, they've heard it already. And they need to hear the truth. Uh, They need to hear the truth. Because we're going to talk about the truth and, and how, what God's plan for you is today. Okay? So Genesis chapter 2. Now, when God created the heavens and earth, and I believe God created the heavens and earth, and I believe he did it in six days. He could have done it in six seconds. He could have done it in six billion years. It doesn't matter. He did it. And he created 
the sky, the stars, the moon, the ocean, the land, all these things are there. They are very uh, ordered and beautiful. Nothing ordered and beautiful happens by accident. He created the birds, the fish, the land animals, the creeps, the bugs, creeps, and his people creeps, but the bug creeps. Uh, every living thing. And after every time he created something, he said it was good. Everyone say good. And there was only one thing he said that was not good that he created before sin, by the way. Everything he created was good. As a matter of fact, at the end of the seven days, he said it was very good. But there was one time he said, this is not good. And it was it had to do with me and you. This is before sin. It had to do with me and you. So let's read chapter 2, verse 15. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it, or to work. And by the way, work was not the one thing he said was no good. I know some of y'all are thinking, man, that was it. <laughs> no, work is good. Everyone say work is good. Verse 16, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you will die. And if you sin, if you disobey me, there will be spiritual death. But then he said in verse 18, It is not good that man be alone. Now, Adam was created first and then Eve. This is before Eve was created. Man was by himself, and God said, You know what? That's not good. Now, I know some of you fellows are thinking, Of course, that's why I need a woman. Why did God say it is not good that man be alone? Well, the question we have to ask ourselves is why did God create man in the first place? Now, some people will say God created man so we can worship him. Now, we are going to worship him. And we are commanded to worship him and, we, and we're supposed to worship him. He, he is worthy of our worship. He also created us to love him. That's absolutely true. As a matter of fact, that's the first commandment. But the second commandment says to love your neighbor. And how do you love your neighbor if there is no neighbor? God created us to enjoy what he enjoys, which is loving relationships. Matter of fact, look at number one of your notes. Number one of your notes. God created us and designed and wired us to enjoy what he enjoys, which is loving relationships. Now, we want to make sure we understand what this means. It doesn't mean that you have to be married. Now, yes, people get married and, and, and it happens all the time, but it doesn't mean that, you know, uh, some people are called to be single and some people are single. I, only God can explain that. I can't. This is not necessarily about that, even though we're going to talk about relationships all the way, you know, through marriage and all that kind of stuff. But God created people so people would enjoy what he enjoys, loving relationships. God created people to enjoy what he enjoyed before there was any people. He didn't need us to have a relationship. Well, who do you have a relationship with? Himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Father, Son, had a, Father, Son, Holy Spirit had a relationship with each other that was a relationship of unselfishness. It was a relationship filled with love. It was a relationship filled with other-centeredness. They glorified each other. They honored each other. And they loved each other. And God says, I, because God is love and motivated by love, God says, I'm going to create man in our image so they can enjoy what we have. That is love. Now, it wasn't like God says, I'm going to create someone to worship me. He was already being worshipped by angels. He already had that. It was deeper than that. 
He says, I want to create people so we can all enjoy love with each other. So let's look at John chapter, uh, let's turn first to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. I'm going to look at three things. John chapter 7 verse 16. John is the fourth book of the New Testament. And while you turn it, let me talk about the Trinity. The Trinity is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity was involved in creation, Genesis 1.26. The Bible says, God said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make man in our image. The, the, Holy, the Trinity was involved in creation, redemption, and judgment. The Trinity is involved in baptism. When Jesus was baptized, it says it, that the Father said from the heavens, this is my Son, with whom I am well pleased. And then the dove, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, came and lighted on him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when you get baptized, you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You don't baptize anybody in the name of an angel. In Acts chapter 5, when they lied to the, uh, Paul says, you lied to the Holy Spirit and struck Ananias and fire dead because they lied to God. So the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all God. As a matter of fact, if you think about it as a construction project, there's somebody who has a vision for the construction project. Then you have another person sign the contract to do the construction project. And then you have someone do the work. Well, the father is the master planner of salvation. The son, Jesus, comes down and executes the contract with his blood. And then the Holy Spirit comes down and lives in us and works it out in our life. So you have the father sent the son, John 3, 16. And then the son sent the spirit, John 16, 13. And so, uh, uh, 13, 16, obviously. So the Father sent the Son, the Son sent the Spirit, and the Spirit drives back to this Jesus who drives back to the Father. They all work together. They love each other. So we're going to see a couple, a couple of verses in here where they, first they speak not on their own accord. They always speak for someone else because it's never about themselves. John seven sixteen talks about Jesus teaching his father's doctrine it says my doctrine is not mine verse 16 john 7 16 my doctrine is not mine but his who sent me what i'm teaching you jesus talking to his critics is i'm not teaching you my doctrine i'm teaching you my father's doctrine why because jesus was never about himself turn to john chapter 16 verse 13 john chapter 16 verse 13 Jesus is going to tell us that the Holy Spirit is not going to speak about himself. He's going to speak about what he's told. It says in John 16, verse 13, however, when he, the spirit of truth comes, that's the Holy Spirit, he will guide you in all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but what he hears, he will speak. So the Holy Spirit, again, is pointing you to Jesus. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit is, reminds us of what Jesus said, never what he says. And Jesus is going to remind you what the Father says, never what he says. They, they also, the three, uh, glorify each other. They glorify each other. Turn to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. 17 verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. They glorify each other. Look at verse 5. It says, oh, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which we had before the world was. They had glory before the world was. They didn't need the world to have glory. They didn't need the world to be worshipped. They didn't need the world and, and, and creation to be honored. They already had that. They didn't need to have a relationship. They already had that. 
There you had that. Matter of fact, John chapter 16. Look at John chapter 16, verse 14. Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit is going to glorify me, not himself. So you have the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit always deferring to the other one, always talking about what the other one says. And by the way, they're all in one accord. So they have to worry about he say, she say, well, it's all he's, but he say, he say, because they all had the same word. They're all in agreement. And they also love each other. We're not going to turn here because it's not in John, in John, but just write down Romans 5, 5. Romans 5, 5 says that the Holy Spirit pours out the love of God in our hearts. The whole Holy Spirit pours the love of God in your heart. Look at John chapter 17, verse 22. We're going to see that the Son loves the Father and the Father loves the Son. And by the way, what we're going to read right now also is that not only does the Son love the Father and the Father love the Son, but that the Son's prayer is that all of us would be one in love with them as they are. This is God's prayer. This is Jesus' prayer. That all of us and everyone who would trust him would be as much in love with them as they are with each other and as they are with us. Oneness in love. The greatest commandment is to love God. That's why God created us. To be in love with him. And to be in relationship with him. And then the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. You can't have a neighbor if there is no neighbor. You can't love your neighbor if there is no neighbor. I want you to love each other. That's all I want you to do. Now, will that glorify God? Yes. Do we worship God in the context of relationship? Yes. Do we obey God in the context of relationship? Absolutely. But he didn't create us to be robots. Yes, God, you are the God, you are God. He already knows that. He says, I just want to have a relationship with you, and I want you to have a relationship with each other. We had a Thanksgiving dinner with my, my siblings and parents, and, and we're all over. The, my, my sister's in the U.K., I have family in New York and Florida, and, and I'm here, and, and my sister's here as well. But we're all together. And we're standing around the table holding hands praying, and my mother starts bursting out crying. She says, this is all I want. It's all us to be together because it's so hard for us to get together. God just says, I created all of you to love each other and to get along and to, and to love me, and we could all be one family. That's why he created us. He gave us the privilege of having a relationship with each other and relationship with him. That's what he created us for. Look at, look at uh, John chapter 17, verse 22. This is Jesus talking. The glory you gave me, I have given them. Jesus received it and he gave it. That they may be one just as we are one. I in them, you in me. That they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Excuse me. <coughs> Verse 24. <coughs> Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am and that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundations of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I declare to you them your name and will declare it that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. This is Jesus' prayer. This is really the Lord's prayer. This is the Lord praying to the Father, John chapter 17. He's saying, Lord, I just, the love you gave me, I want to give them. 
And I want all of us to be one. The glory you gave me, I want to give to them. I want all of us to be one. And I want them to experience your love like I've experienced your love. This is why you're here. You're not here to make a lot of money. You make a lot, make a lot of money in the process, but it doesn't matter because when you die, you can't take it with you. You may go to the top of the organization, you may live long, you may live short, but the point is, do you have relationship with people and do you have relationship with God? Now, understand this, the relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit was very uh, other-centered. Other-centered. In other words, Jesus said, uh, the, fa- Jesus said to the, the Father said to Jesus, you have to die. And Jesus said, is there any other way do I have to die? I, I mean, is there any way we get salvation without me dying? And, and the Father said, no, you've got to die. And Jesus says, okay. I don't want to do it, Father. I don't want to. Luke 11. I don't want to do it. Oh, Luke 14, I believe it is. I don't want to do it because it's going to be tough. He says, I know, Jesus, but you have to die. And he says, yes, sir. I will do that. Holy Spirit, you're going to go down there and nobody's going to know your name. Matter of fact, they're going to think you're a bird. (laughs) Holy Spirit says, okay, cool. You're going to be behind the scenes, Holy Spirit. And you're, no one's going to see you. No one's going to know. They're, they're, going to, they're going to dry little doves on you. And you, and you don't worry about it. He says, and Holy Spirit says, it don't matter. Holy Spirit, all you're going to do is, t- is say what I tell you. Got it. Because I trust you. He's behind the scenes. Matter of fact, Holy Spirit, I'm going to put you to live in a whole bunch of knuckleheads. And they're not going to listen to what you say. <laughs> and even though you know everything and have all this power, they're just going to ignore you most of the time. He says, I'm good with that, God. I'll do whatever you want. Because I know this is the only way we can get to have a relationship with these people. And they had this relationship going on that they still have going on. And you know what he says? They did all of that so we could be part of their family. So we could be part of their family. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. But you can't have that kind of relationship if you've got issue with God. In other words, if, if you don't trust God, you're not going to do what he says. If you don't, and that's why to read the Bible is so important to see the things Jesus went through, especially the difficult things he went through out of trust with the Father and how the Father honored him after he died for us. He, he honored him. And so if you have an issue with God, you, you, you can't have a relationship with God. If you've got an issue with people, you're going to have people stand off. You're going to be like this. And so God created us so we can have relationship. He commanded us to have relationship. I command you love your neighbor. I command you to love God. He designed us to have relationship. He would never call us and command us to do something that he did not design us to do and equip us to do. So number two in your notes, our design or wiring actively seeks to live in loving relationships. In other words, we as people desire relationships. I'm going to read uh, something to you, a list of systems we have in our body. Now, anybody who is into biology or a doctor, they will tell you the body is more than fascinating. Matter of fact, it's ingeniously designed. We, we all know that intuitively, but the more you learn about the body, the more you realize we don't know and the more amazing it is. I just want to give you a little high-level view of some systems. We have, you know, the muscular system, all the muscles, and, and, they're, and they're attached to bones through tendons. And then you have your circulatory system, your digestive system, your reproductive system, your nervous system, your respiratory system, and all that. Those are all systems we're pretty much heard of. And a system is where you have different parts of your body or different parts of people that work together to accomplish one thing. Your digestive system, is part, your teeth are part of that. Your tongue, the saliva in your mouth actually begins the digestive process. That's why it's important to chew your food really well. 
You're down through your throat, into your stomach, the acids in your stomach, part of the digestive system. Your small and large intestines, all the, all the acids in your stomach and the enzymes that digest your food. All that's part of the digestive system. Blood is part of the digestive system. Your nervous system helps with digestion. Your emotions help with digestion. All those are part of your digestion. All those things work together to, so you can take food in your body and nourish your cells. So all these different systems in your body. You also have brain systems. These are wiring issues, hormone issues. You have a pleasure reward system. One of the reasons sex is so powerful because it's directly connected to your pleasure system. We'll talk about that in the weeks to come. You have a fear system, tranquility system. You have a panic system. You have an empathy-sympathy system. Mirror neurons. We're going to talk about mirror neurons. Neurons, don't get me started, but mirror neurons are the bomb. They're the bomb. Ooh. Mirror, just like you look in a mirror, that, that word, mirror neurons. You have a learning system. You have an emotion, emotional regulation system. You have a rage-anger system. Some of your rage-anger systems are always cranked up real high. You have a stress-emergency system. You have a sleep system. Now, that's a system we all master. You have an immune system, pain management system, creativity problem-solving system, self-repair system, neuroplasty. You have a comfort system, hormones that comfort you. And again, we're going to go into some of those as well. And they are amazing. Hopefully, your, your dopamine, which is a pleasure drug in your brain, is high right now. You're feeling really good, hopefully. Uh, you have a play system. You have a relationship attachment system. Relationship bonding system. This system, right, which is the system in your brain body that seeks and develops relationships. Every time you meet somebody, you are in a relationship uh, process. You say hello, you are developing a relationship. It may be for a quick second. And every day you are asking, your relationship system is asking these two questions. Am I lovable? And is love available? You walk into a room, you don't know anybody, the first thing you want to know is, is am I, how am I going to be accepted? Do these people like me? Or who are these people? Am I feeling comfortable? Am I feeling rejected or accepted? Am I lovable? And are there people in my life, is there love available? That's why you walk into a room and you don't know anybody and you're struggling with this struggle or also a struggle of trust, mistrust. Am I feeling comfortable? As soon as you start to talk to people, you feel better. Oh, I, now I feel better. You move to a new neighborhood. You don't know anybody. You feel distant. And then you start to meet people. Oh, I feel better. Am I lovable? Why? Because God created you to be loved. And is there people in my life who will love me? Because that's the only place I'm going to get love is from people that I know about until I know God. We have these questions. Matter of fact, if you go, if you are going to get a lung transplant, they will screen you to see if you are deserve the lung because lungs are hard to come by. And there's a long list of people waiting for a lung and they will ask you questions like, are you a smoker? And if you are, have been, are you committed to quitting smoking? Because we're not going to give you a lung that you're going to ruin. Can you afford the medicine? Because if you can't afford the medicine to receive the lung, we're not going to give you a a lung and ruin it. And they're going to ask you, do you have a community of people who love you? If you are alone and you don't have strong relationships, you are less likely to get the lung because you are more likely to die because you don't have relationships. 
One of the predictors on if you're going to be alive nine years from now are the relationships of people in your life. Relationships will actually keep you alive. Uh, dogs can live without relationships. With other dogs. They live in your house. No other dog. And they're like, he... <laughs> There's a whole lot of animals. Humans cannot live without relationships. You will die. You will die. It's, it's, it, when I say die, I don't mean, I'm not saying you will die. You will die. And, and as a matter of fact, there's a, um, what was it? The University of Chicago did a study. They said five, if you have five or more strong relationships, close relationships, you are 50% higher chance of being a happy person. Now, you might think, <clears throat> I got to get that car. I got to get that new hairdo. I got to get new teeth. I got I, I to I get teeth and hair. I got to take the hair out of my, my mouth and put it on my head and the teeth off my head and put it in my mouth. Whatever it is you think you got to get. Now, you're thinking that, but what you're not realizing what you're saying is that if I get those things, you're either thinking I'm going to be happy or those things will get me friends. But in the end, if you have five strong relationships, people with whom you can interact like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit interact. People who watch your back. People who encourage you. People who will love you. People who will forgive you and accept your forgiveness. People whom you can hurt, maybe not necessarily intentionally, but say, we can make up. My best friend in high school, best friend since I was 16 years old. I've been in California 29 years. He has never come here to visit me. And I, I say, Mike, how are you my friend? Oh, man, you know, uh, I'm going to get out there, man. I said, yeah, for my funeral. You, know, you probably won't even come for that because you figure I'm dead. <laughs> but I still love him. I'll never hold it against him. I'll be, I, tell him I tell him I'm never going to call him back. I tell him I don't like him anymore. I tell him our relationship meant nothing. And he knows I don't mean it because we're friends. If you have five. Matter of fact, uh, there's also research done that if you volunteer... You had lower levels of depression, better mental health, lower anxiety, increased levels of happiness, mood, and self-esteem just by helping others' relationship. You're loving. You know what volunteering is? Loving. That's what it is. Oh, help someone build a house. Yeah, you're loving them. You're sharing love. And you're receiving it when they say thank you. It's relationship. Now, we all have different kinds of relationships. We have business relationship where you have someone you meet casually, you know, and, and you get together in relationship, and your relationship is totally based on a project or a business transaction. It's distant. At least it starts out that way. And it, it, can, it doesn't have to get any closer. Then you have friend relationships where you, where you share more of an emotional thing. You get a little closer. You can actually uh, offend each other, well, like I said, intentionally or non-intentionally, and then you can forgive them. Why? Because we have a forgiveness system. Now, some of us don't like our forgiveness system because we want to be mad at people. Have you ever been not mad at somebody that you wanted to be mad at because they did something to you? Okay. In other words, you're like, I forgive you. And your mind, let me say it this way, your mind is saying, but they did this. And you're like, yeah, I know, but it's, it's, I'm good. And there may be people in your life going, I wouldn't forgive them. They, 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 and they start, nah, nah, nah. and your mind's going, yeah, I, I think I'm good. Why? Because God has given you the ability to forgive. It's a system. 
Now we, we take this stuff for granted like that's just what we do. But we can't fly. We can't just, like birds, probably look at us and go, why don't y'all fly? There was a turtle. There was a turtle that climbed up a tree. Every day, climbed up a tree, and it went out on this branch, and he, his four legs did like that, and he would jump and fall to the ground. Then next day, he'd climb the tree, get to the, do his four legs, and fall to the ground. He did this every day for a week, and these two birds were on this other tree looking at him going. And one bird tapped the other bird and said, I think it's time you tell him he was adopted. Some of y'all thinking, what's the relevance? <laughs> how many of y'all thinking, what's the relevance? What's the relevance? You, see, you missed the whole thing. I was talking about how there is some, I'm going to explain to you. It may be way out there, but it's going to be good. <laughs> there's some things that, there's things that we do naturally that we just assume that we just do them. God gave them to you. I mean, like I said, when birds look at us, birds naturally fly. Well, why can't you fly? God didn't give us that ability. But God gave you the ability to forgive. He gave you the ability to love. He gave you the ability to do all these things. And there's also a thing called a seeking system. This is, this is what is somewhat baffling to some scientists because this is secular research has discovered this seeking system. And before I go that, I'll talk about the God spot in your brain, the limbic system in your brain. Uh, they notice that people who have seizures in their limbic system, which is kind of in the middle of your brain, underneath, uh, it's just in your brain, it's a whole system of functions in your brain, that when people have seizures in that part of their brain, they have religious experience. And even when they did surgeries on people, they would stimulate the limbic system, and the people would wake up and say, I had a, I, I, I had a religious, ex, a spiritual experience. It's a, they call it the God spot in your brain. But there's research done that these little kids, that in your brain from when you were born, you have in your brain, hardwired in your brain, a desire to seek a relationship with the living God in your brain. Let me read a couple of things to you, uh, and we'll put some of the authors up on the screen just so if you want to look this up and double check it. Anna Marie Rizzuto is an Argentine psychoanalyst, and she writes, she wrote a book called Birth of the Living God. Developmentally, therefore, all individuals in any culture must find a personal manner or way of partaking in cultural beliefs about spiritual and religious narratives or in other words people have to find how do I fit within my culture's religions or they create beliefs that are capable of sustaining their understanding of who they are in the world. People are uh, hardwired in their brain to either identify with religious beliefs in their culture or create their own. They have to find out how do I fit in where I am. It says this task of doing that is psychologically unavoidable because human psyche can only exist and subsist in meaningful, in the meaningful context of other psyches or people and its surrounding physical universe. You can't help it. That's why there's religions all over the world. Uh, Jonathan Haidt wrote a book called Approaching Awe. It's Kelt Keltner and Haidt. Further emerging empirical evidence from research in social and developmental psychology according to the idea of naturalistic spirituality. By the way, this is not Christian stuff. This is, you know, uh, this, these guys are from the University of Virginia. 
Jonathan Haidt's research on moral emotions, particularly awe and elevation connected to spiritual and religious experience, defines these emotions as primordial, always there in us, and concludes that they are relatively hardwired, hardwired, pre-culture, before culture, in your brain, set of responses that was shaped by evolution, even though we had it hardwired in our brain from the beginning, built into the central and peripheral nervous system of human species in our brain. Um, another book, Spirituality as a, Na- as a Natural Phenomenon by Hay and Socha, interviewed children who had no connection with any religious institution and had not been socialized into secular ways of interpreting reality. Not only did they find support for a naturalistic spirituality, in other words, you, it's just in you. You are spiritual. You know, people talk about we're spiritual beings. Not only are you spiritual because you have a soul, your brain is wired to be spiritual and to interact in a spiritual way. It says, um, uh, not only did they find support for a naturalistic spirituality, but contrary to expectation, they found a relational consciousness connected to their spiritual experience. In other words, I don't just feel it. I'm just not sensing I'm spiritual. I want to have relationship. This is what their studies have shown. And lastly, Justin Barrett, who is a senior researcher for the Center of Anthropology and Mind and the Institute of Cognitive and Evolutionary Anthropology at Oxford University, further confirmed this early spiritual awareness through his cross-cultural research with children as young as three years old in which he found anthropomorphic attributions, human attributes um, that, to supernatural powers in the context of relational spirituality. In summary, the seeking system that we have, the seeking system experienced as restlessness, longing, and uninformed need or thirst, our thirst for a spiritual relationship is both conscious and unconscious process that has roots in development leading to an object-seeking relationship with a transcendent being. You all have it. You can't deny it. That's why little kids who have never grown up in church will say, Mommy, I want to go to church. When something happens, they'll start praying to God. Why? God put it in their brain. It's in their brain. You and I are wired for a relationship with God and we're wired for a relationship with people. And what's interesting is how you develop relationships with people will determine how you develop a relationship with God. In other words, how you answer the two questions, am I lovable and is love available? How I answer those two questions will determine how I develop relationships. And how I develop relationships with people will be exactly how I develop relationships with God. If I don't feel lovable, I'm going to try really hard. I'm going to dress certain ways. I'm going to act certain ways. I'm going to do this. And that's how I'm going to develop relationships with everybody I know because I doubt whether I'm lovable. And I doubt whether there's people in my life who will love me. And how we all experience the people in our life is going to dictate how we develop relationships with people in our life. And it's also going to develop how we develop a relationship with God. That's why being a good parent and a good friend is so important, especially to little kids. Let's turn to the last point in your notes. God himself is the ultimate satisfaction of our search for a loving relationship. Turn to 1 John, all the way, the fifth book from the end of the Bible. 1 John, chapter 4. (coughs) 
when my wife and I were dating, we did not, our, our relationship was messed up until I gave my life to Jesus. I was the problem. And I'm reminded of that on a regular basis. <laughs> First John 4, 8 is true, though. My wife is perfect in all ways. <laughs> Fellas, aren't our wives the fourth member of the Trinity? <laughs> I am the head of my house. My wife is the neck. <laughs> she turns me in any way she wants me to go. <laughs> 1 John 4, 8, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Um, God not only gives love, God not only loves, God is love. He is love. When you receive God's love into your heart, he enables you to love his way. The love and the relationship that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have together is, is a love based on his standard of love, not ours. Our standard of love is inferior to his standard. That's why we give our life to him so we can love on his standard. And we, can only, we only do that when we realize that our standard is not good enough. If you really want to love the people who you're with, you give your life to Christ and let him love them through you. God made us in his image so he can fit inside of us like a hand in glove. And so he can fit inside of us like a hand in glove and so he can love through us like a hand in glove. But it all comes with you saying, Lord, I understand that you created me for a relationship with you and I understand you created me for a relationship with these people and you know what? I'm having struggle here. It's because there's a disconnect here. And when this is connected, you can love people that you hated. You can love people that hate you while they hate you. That's the fun part. Ah, blankety, blank, 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 you, blankety, blank, blank. Hey, can I pray for you? Oh, you, blankety, blank, blank, you, I hate you. Oh, come on. Give me a hug. Because <laughs> that's what God did. While we were sinners, Jesus died for us. So let's all bow for a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you so much that you love us. And we thank you so much that you loved us first. And we thank you so much that you love us with a love that we, is so much better than our love. Our love is so incomplete. It falls short so many times. And Lord, I pray that if anyone is listening to my voice, someone in North County, someone on TV, someone who's watching online, If you realize that God loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you and for whatever reason that relationship is not right doesn't matter what matters is that you want to make it right pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart pray dear God love me right now please forgive me for living life my way. I receive you as my God, the number one love in my life. Cleanse me of my sin. 
I surrender Jesus to you. Thank you, God. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer in 30 seconds, I'm going to ask you to stand. And by standing, you are acknowledging that you are receiving the love of God today, that you want his encouragement, his salvation. If you're watching in North County, there's someone there who's going to pray with you. We're going to ask you to stand as well. So right now, eyes closed, heads bowed. If you prayed that prayer, just stand to your feet and acknowledge God's forgiveness in your life.